Welcome to the Marketing Podcast, the number one podcast helping aspiring entrepreneurs level up their marketing. Here's your host, Augustine. Let the class begin. Hey guys, and welcome to yet another episode on the Marketing Podcast, episode 80. Now, this week, we have a special guest on our platform. She is the founder of Planet Ball, which is a content review and marketing collaboration platform used by over 5,000 teams. She has been recognized by Forbes 30 Under 30. She has spoken at Keynes Lion in 2018 and has graduated from the Team Drappers Startup Academy in Silicon Valley. Zenia, welcome to the Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm uh, excited to do this. It's an honor to have you. So Zenia, maybe we could start by you taking us through your educational background, where you went to study, what you studied, and uh, yeah, we can start off from there. Definitely. Um, so I'm originally from Republic of Moldova, a tiny post-Soviet country in Eastern Europe. And that's where I actually uh, went to university. Um, I studied mass communication, which is, you know, kind of the background for PR and marketing. And I always dreamed of working in the advertising world. Uh, so that's why I chose uh, mass communications. Um, that was, you know, the university I went to. Uh, so it was, you know, a small university, Eastern European university, nothing, nothing too fancy. Um, and something else that you mentioned uh, was Draper University. Uh, so that happened when I already started, um, when I already started Planable. Uh, I uh, was selected to be part of the 2016 cohort of uh, Draper University in uh, San Mateo. Silicon Valley and Draper University, it's called university, but it's actually a startup academy. It's not an accredited university. Uh, it's, a, it's a startup academy, uh, seven weeks long, where you go and you learn everything about building a company in Silicon Valley uh, and where you just get immersed in the experience of what it's like to build a startup uh, in the best you know, part of the world for building startups. And it was an incredibly, incredibly good experience for me um, because, you know, I, I learned about a lot of things, you know, about um, building a team and, and fundraising and just uh, facing the fear of failure, uh, working, you know, with, um, with, you know, building yourself as a founder. So I think it was a really great experience for, for me. Okay, now I'll take you back a little bit and uh, my question would be what got you started into marketing? Why did you get into marketing? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I actually have a podcast and I ask this exact same question um, to my, you know, for my uh, guests, but I never asked myself this question. Uh, so I think I got into marketing because I, you know, from a very young age, I really loved a combination of things that you know looking backwards i realized that those are a combination of things that you need in marketing what i liked a lot was math so really the analytical part uh, you know data playing with numbers i really loved that uh, i also really really loved writing uh, which you again also need in in in, in marketing 
Uh, and from a very young age, I learned Photoshop. I think I was in like fifth grade when I when I first learned Photoshop. We moved from a from a, a town to a different one when I was young, so I didn't have <laughs> too many friends. So I spent my summer um, just learning Photoshop and playing around with things. And that part, you know, the design, the aesthetics of things, the beauty of things uh, attracted me a lot. So this combination of design, you know, numbers and, and writing, um, it felt very close to my heart. Uh, and I think that's one of the big reasons why I got into marketing. I just, I was attracted to that combination of things. Um, and I think it's a combination that you find easily in, in marketing. Wow, so at fifth grade, you already started Photoshop. I think at that time, I was playing a lot of uh, video games. Uh, <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> and you, you, you started your own digital marketing agency. Yeah, I did. Um, on, in my second year of university, I started my... Um, a social media marketing agency. I, I never planned actually to be an entrepreneur. It was not like a lifelong dream that I had. I didn't have entrepreneurs in my family or anything like that. Uh, so it was it was definitely not like a huge aspiration that I had. It just happened. I, I became an entrepreneur by pure accident. Um, I was in my second year of university and I was part of a student association. Um, I was part of a student association and um, one of the sponsors of the association was looking for someone to lead their social. And I was, yes, hey, I want to do that. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds cool. That sounds excited. I'm young. I know a lot about social media. I didn't know. I learned, but I didn't know back then. Wow. Um, and I started, you know, doing that. Um, and, you know, they needed a formal uh, way to invoice. So I incorporated, you know, uh, my first company ever. And, you know, I didn't label myself as an entrepreneur back then. Um, I, you know, I didn't have uh, too many women uh, entrepreneur models uh, back in, you know, uh, Republic of Moldova. So I couldn't label myself because I didn't, I never saw, you know, too many um, women entrepreneurs. Uh, but, you know, later on, I, I realized that, hey, I'm actually building a business and the team grew quite a lot. Um, in the beginning, it was just myself. And then we were about, uh, you know, still tiny, uh, six, seven people in the team. But it was a lot for me back then, you know, at 20, 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And like, what are the challenges you face when you're starting out your social media uh, marketing agency? Because at the same time, you were at university. Yeah. So how? Yeah, it was overwhelming. How did you even manage to balance uh, having your own business and at the same time studying? Yeah, it was definitely super, super overwhelming and I didn't have the skills to time manage back then. Um, but I think, you know, when you're just thrown into a situation like that, into a challenging situation like that, um, if, you, if you really have the ambition, if you want to make it, you're going to find a way to just balance it all, to juggle it all. Um, and what, you know... I, I didn't really focus that. I focused more on the business rather than the education, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, I don't regret it. Uh, I think building uh, the social media marketing agency uh, was definitely for me a much better 
after education. Um, I think I learn better when I do things rather than, you know, just theoretical by the books. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it grew slowly. And some of the challenges that I discovered was I, I didn't expect to do that much admin work, like the operational side of it was just totally unexpected to me. You know, no one, no one tells you when you're starting a business that you're going to have to deal with that much, you know, admin, legal and operational stuff. Uh, and, you know, slowly I, I started doing more of that rather than the creativity side and the strategic side that I really loved. And that was, you know, the main reason why I started that. And I realized that, uh, you know, there's so many operational things that could be automatized and could be, you know, just streamlined in terms of the workflow. And one of the things that frustrated me a lot actually became, you know, the subject of um, and, you know, the reason, the origins of Planable. And one of the things that really frustrated me was uh, just the mere amount of tedious uh, tasks that you have to do when you plan social media editorial calendars. So we're, we're you know, managing Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts uh, for brands uh, locally. And we had to present them those typical editorial calendars where they could look at the posts, uh, comment on them, you know, give us feedback and approve them. And that happened in like a spreadsheet. Um, that was just, you know, being sent back and forth. The conversation was happening on email. The spreadsheet was not visual enough. Clients were, you know, always asking questions. Well, how is this going to look like? How is, you know, um, and it was just a lot of not the best way to present work and a lot of back and forth. And just the process was super, super fragmented. And a lot of time was just falling through the cracks of that fragmented and scattered workflow. Um, and that was the reason why we started Planable to streamline and bring a social media team together. Um, because, you know, social media has grown so much in the past, uh, in the past, you know, decade. Um, it, it has grown at such a speed, that, you know, nothing else in the marketing world has ever grown that much uh, in such a short period of time. So people didn't get the chance to actually adapt their processes. Um, so, you know, that's why, you know, they, they were using um, analog tools, let's say, uh, like spreadsheets, you know, generic tools like spreadsheets. Um, and the idea behind Planable is just to uh, give them a space where they can create content, visualize it as though it's actually already real on the platforms, live on the platforms. Um, they can, you know, collaborate on it, review it, uh, gather feedback. Uh, have an approval system, plan it with ease, and then, you know, publish it on the platforms as well. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Now you found sure. uh, Planable. How yes. did you gather your team? Uh, so I, you know, uh, Republic of Moldova is a very tiny country, uh, as I mentioned, and the startup ecosystem or the tech ecosystem is even smaller. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I noticed that I have this problem, uh, in my agency, I uh, initially obviously looked for tools to solve my problem. I, I you know, I didn't build Planable from the, you know, from the first moment that I noticed I have the problem. I looked for tools out there and I tried, you know, Buffer and, and Hootsuite and I didn't feel like they were solving my collaboration and workflow issues rather than the publishing part. They were helping a lot with that, but not with the operational side of uh, social media planning. Okay. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, it's a very tiny community. Uh, I went to a um, startup 
uh, weekend. I'm not sure if, 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 you know, for the audience, I can give, you know, a bit of background on what Startup Weekend is. Uh, it's basically a global event that happens, you know, in different cities all across the, the planet. Um, and it's a 48 hours hackathon, so startup competition, where people build a product and, and you know, during the weekend, they build a product, they pitch it, so they go through like a startup experience in a very short and limited period of time. And so this was, was always in Moldova? Yeah, that was in Moldova, exactly. Okay. Um, and I, I went, uh, it was not my first time attending Startup Weekend. I really loved the community, the vibe of it, just, you know, building something from scratch and such a short period of time. I attended Startup Weekend Moldova, um, you know, a year before and I, we, my team actually was placed on the third uh, place and I, I wanted to attend again. I felt like it was a good way to refresh, you know, do a bit of design work, maybe for a team, uh, get some of my, you know, creativity refreshed. And I went, uh, I, I met, um, you know, I, I met my current co-founders, Nick and Vlad there. Um, I knew them from before because, you know, the, it's a small community. I knew them from before uh, and Nick actually, you know, had an idea around solving the problem that I currently had in my agency world. So huge coincidence. <laughs> the world is small like that. He was working in an agency back then. And that's how it all started. Uh, we met there. Uh, the team was larger than that, but then, you know, it, it just became uh, me and Vlad. Um, so we were, me, Vlad, and Nick, and we were, um, we were it was just us. Uh, we got invited, someone noticed us at that, uh, you know, at Startup Week in Moldova, someone noticed us, and they invited us to uh, go to uh, Transylvania, um, uh, Romania, um, specifically in Cluj. Uh, Cluj is considered like the Silicon Valley of Eastern Europe. <laughs> it's, okay. It has great, yeah, it has great, great tech uh, universities and great tech talent. And they had um, a pre-accelerator uh, for startups there. So we went there. Um, they, you know, invited us. We went through the full experience and, you know, everything else is history <laughs> since then. <laughs> Okay, so you were, you were in Moldova, you went through the hackathon, yes. then you found, you, you found your co-founders yes. and then moved to Romania, to Transylvania. Exactly, yeah. But now, where or when did you now start working on your prototype? Your yeah, so... Yeah, so actually everything uh, that we built, you know, during Startup Week in Moldova, we had to throw away <laughs> and start from zero, which, you know, usually happens a lot. So we had to completely pivot, change the idea, um, change, you know, the way we were envisioning it. We were solving the same problem, but we had to do everything uh, from scratch during the pre-accelerator. And that's, that's, what, that's what's amazing about accelerators, that, you know, they really guide you a lot and help you build something for long term. Uh, so we started from scratch to build and we, you know, that was the moment um, when all of us, you know, left everything be behind us. Um, Nick quit his job at the agency in Moldova. I, I, I closed my agency uh, in a short time after I started, um, you know, focusing on Planable and, and Vlad. He was super young. He was the youngest of us and he um, left, you know, uh, he dropped out of university and he actually never finished it. Uh, no. So all of us had, you know, and, and besides that, all of us, you know, left friends and, and families and, you know, 
apartments and all we had uh, behind us and went you know to Cluj uh, to focus 140 percent on uh, on planable wow let me ask how do you how how were you able to put your, your venture team together because I think it's one of the problems that a lot of founders face that you partner up with other co-founders but in the process of you know um, establishing the startup that one founder one co-founder has a different uh, motive has started to develop different interests or when things get hard because you know as a startup as you said you had to iterate quite often and sometimes you know it can get to you that you're doing too much, you're not seeing any form of result, and you know, it needs a certain form of tenacity, and yeah. like, you cannot be, like, not all of you can be the same, but how did you manage to, because uh, I, I assume you are the main, you're the main founder of Planable. How, how were you able to put them in, like, one basket? Yeah, so we actually all, all of us started as, as equal founders and the idea of Planable itself uh, came to my co-founder, Nick. But um, it's a really, really good question that you're asking. And there's two things to unpack here. First of all is the tenacity that you mentioned. And I think all of us uh, coming up from Moldova, which let's face it, doesn't have the greatest you know, European economy, um, you know, you don't get that many opportunities. Uh, so when you get one, <laughs> you stick to it. Uh, you grab it and you make it work and you fight for it. Um, and, you know, you realize that you might not get another opportunity like that. And I think, you know, just the grit that you develop uh, in, a, in a developing economy is is amazing because you value opportunities so much more than if you would have lots of them um, probably uh, so i think you know that resilience all of us uh, wanted this to work a lot uh, very very much um, and I, I don't think we realized back then how much we wanted that to work, but, you know, looking backwards, I realized that we went through so many, so many challenges, so many hoops, so many just bottlenecks, so many problems that happened that in, in, we had so many, uh, moments where, you know, everything could, uh, you know, fall and everything could collapse. Uh, but it didn't, you know. Uh, it's, it's really hard to build a founding team with people that you don't know that very well and you didn't work with them before. And that comes with challenges. Um, but just, you know, the day-to-day -day challenge, the, you know, the, just the struggle of building something and not seeing results yet, which happens in like the, to most startups in, in their first or even second year. So, you know, I think looking backwards, we just really, really, really wanted that a lot. Uh, and that just made us, you know, work together and stick together and solve issues. And then the second part is that we had lots of support. Uh, so when we went through that pre-accelerator in Cluj that I mentioned, we had people that were, you know, hyping us and, uh, you know, supporting us a lot and telling us how great of a work we're doing and how much potential they're seeing in, in what we're doing. That was the, you know, the, the ecosystem, like the mentors of the accelerator, but, but also the people that were building the accelerator. They were very, very supportive of us and we were looking up to them. Uh, they built companies before 
us. They had lots of experience. And if people like that were telling us that we're going to make this work and this is going to be a great company, we were trusting them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that you know, helped us a lot to just build up our confidence and, and keep going. Wow, that's really impressive. Um, I, had a, I had an experience where I was part of a startup and that was back in uh, 2019. We were founding a legal tech startup as students of the university. And uh, one of the problems that we had was that after a while, because the startup was in the legal tech industry and like yeah. after a while, uh, some of the co-founders, you could see that they started losing interest. One was the, he wanted to continue doing his master's, so he didn't have enough time. And the other one was really engaged with something else. And really, it ended up breaking apart. And that's why I talk about, you know, it's really not easy to put a whole team together. And I think you've done a really, really good job with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I agree. It's terribly hard. I don't want to make it look, you know, sound simplistic. We had our challenges, but, uh, you know, you just have to push forward. I think that's something that a lot of people need to understand that becoming an entrepreneur, becoming uh, a startup founder, as cool as it sounds, it's not really that cool. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not glamorous at all. You get, you maybe get some media appearances and you get to talk on some stages, you know, a few times a year, maybe if, you know, your business model uh, asks for that, but otherwise it's just day to day grinding and work like any other. Okay. So, um, you moved to Silicon Valley? Yes, I spent there about uh, three months or so, so not, not too long of a time. Uh, but I did move there for Draper University and just to get the Silicon Valley experience as well. Okay, and how did you get into Draper University? Because I can imagine someone who's listening to us who maybe wants to start his or her own uh, startup, but they don't know how to get into an, a startup academy or an accelerator. How did you get into that? Yeah, so I met Tim Draper, which is this huge investor in Silicon Valley and, and worldwide. He's a legendary VC. And I met him at a conference um, in Cluj. Uh, so at the end of the acceleration program in Cluj, um, we had a demo day as part of a larger conference called Techsylvania. Mm -hmm. And um, the jury of the startup competition of the demo day uh, was, um, you know, among the juries was Tim J. Perswell. He was the biggest keynote at the conference and he also judged the startup competition we, we were closing the accelerator with. And, um, you know, we won the competition um, at, at Texylvania um, and he really loved us. I'm still keeping in touch with him. And, um, you know, I applied for the conference and I think, you know, uh, meeting him definitely helped. Uh, I applied for the Startup Academy and meeting him definitely uh, helped, you know, a bit getting in. So I, I, I think the answer is just the power of networking and getting yourself in, into as many opportunities as possible, showing up to as many things as you can think of. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you might register for an event and so many times we, we just don't go to them. 
to all those networking events. Um, and there's so many opportunities in, in one of those networking events, you can meet, you know, an investor that could help you out with something or in some of those networking events, you might potentially meet uh, a friend or your future co-founder. Um, so it's, it's really important, you know, to just show up. Okay. After Silicon Valley, now, do you now have found some sort of product market fit? in terms of your startup or do you, did you already have clients coming to you? No, so we were still building the product. Uh, we were still very much in product development and customer development. And we, we were in that mode for about a year and a half. Um, we went through another accelerator called Techstars in 2017, uh, Techstars in, in London um, and, and uh, that was the period of time when we actually launched the product out of beta and we started monetizing it. Um, and that's when we had our first customer. I still remember it. Uh, it, it was, they, they actually bought the annual subscription, not the monthly one. And we were so excited over the roof, excited about that. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it started with a very slow growth. Uh, very slow and terrifying growth, to be to be uh, honest. It was almost no growth, actually. For a few months after we launched, we had very, very little revenue. Like, we, we had a few hundred dollars worth of subscriptions. Uh, so it was really demotivating and, and really hard to keep going, you know, after a year and a half or even two years almost of building the product. We, we still couldn't, you know, get customers. Um, and it, it was, it was really, it was a really hard moment. I think it was one of the hardest moments in, in our uh, startup um, journey. Mm -hmm. And um, we were really open to try anything really at that point. And uh, something that we did was um, if we, we went on AppSumo, um, and AppSumo is a community of lifetime deals. So, uh, as a, as a product maker, you put your product on, on, uh, AppSumo and you give the community a lifetime deal, which means that they pay a fixed fee, you know, $39, $49 to get lifetime access to a limited version of your product. So we did that, it was, you know, we had our concerns about that. Obviously, you know, as a, as a subscription business, we wanted recurring revenue, not a one-time injection of cash. But at that point, as I mentioned, we were willing to try anything. And so we did try that. And it actually ended up being a very, very good experience for us. Uh, we had, I think, 300 or even more, 3,000 customers that bought yeah 3000 it was in the range of thousands of customers that bought the lifetime deal and that was a huge it was almost like a an angel investment type of cash that we managed to get out of that uh, and that definitely and besides you know the cash thing it had two other effects first of all it motivated other other mojo back uh, as a team and the second uh, consequence, unexpected consequence, was that uh, people in the community started talking a lot about the product, tweeting, writing articles, referring us to their friends, and some kind of word of mouth 
um, got created out of that. Um, and we started getting um, recurring subscriptions out of that because people you know, were talking about us and others that didn't get the deal were buying the uh, monthly or annual subscriptions. And it started growing. It started growing exponentially from there and it, it never stopped. So, you know, you know, an experience that we didn't expect anything from it really uh, got to be, you know, a huge milestone, milestone for us. So at this time, how many uh, clients are you serving? Uh, we have um, something below 700 customers, 700 paying customers that we are serving. Um, mm -hmm. Besides those 3,000 <laughs> lifetime uh, deal owners that, that we have on board. Wow. Yes. So I'll fast track a little bit. And uh, I don't know if you came up with this idea based on the current situation that we have. You came up with a new remote feature to foster collaboration among marketers. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, so this period of time has definitely opened up a lot of doors and opened up a lot of minds to the idea of, of remote collaboration and the importance of an efficient remote uh, collaboration process. And we actually didn't have to add any features to the product because in a way it was built for that. It's built for remote collaboration from the get-go. Uh, it's built for online collaboration. Uh, you know, period. So it, it really works well for remote too. Uh, we never positioned it for remote uh, collaboration. We just positioned it for collaboration in general. Um, and it, it really, you know, it feels like we were in a way well positioned for this unfortunate period of time. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I think it definitely accelerated uh, the need for collaboration tools such as ours um yeah wow okay um you were featured on forbes magazine right yes uh in the forbes for tender 30 uh list and actually i i actually had to google that you are on forbes 30 under 30 under marketing yes that's correct in the marketing category so how did this happen yeah that was <laughs> A, a crazy uh, experience. Um, we, you know, we applied. Uh, I applied to the list, uh, mm -hmm. and I uh, again met someone <laughs> networking. I met someone at Cat Alliance uh, who was an alumni of the of the list. And uh, when she found out that you know I'm applying, she kindly offered to um, put in a good word, and you know, getting. A recommendation from an alumni means a lot to the list uh, so that's you know how it happened but it, honestly we never expected to get on the list actually um, it was you know just a thing you apply for awards you apply for lists you apply for different competitions as a founder you know as many publicity opportunities as you can get for your business the better uh, so we just applied but you know Forbes for Tender 30 is a huge nomination the people on the list are just legends and you know I, I, I it was a huge surprise to me that we actually got on the list um, I you know did it just because you have to apply to as many things as possible because maybe you'll get into some of them the power of numbers uh, but this one was definitely not one that I, I expected to get but wow. I'm happy we did <laughs> 
Oh, congratulations. I mean, you're really inspiring a lot of women entrepreneurs around, uh, around the world who get to listen to your story. I hope so. Thank you. And especially in Moldova, as you've mentioned, you didn't have any sort of woman entrepreneur to look up to. And uh, yeah. I think you could be the one that people will look up to. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there, there, there must be better, you know, and uh, more successful examples as me, but I'm happy to, you know, help with whatever I can. So um, let me ask now, for anyone listening, who is your target market when it comes to uh, Planable? Who can use your, who can buy your product and, and use your product? Yeah, um, so anyone who deals with social media in a way is our target audience. Social media marketing in a way is our target audience. So agencies who deliver social media services for clients um, are definitely a good target for us. And then uh, in-house marketing teams um, and brands, um, so teams, marketing departments and brands that um, do social media marketing. And those are our, our, our targets. Freelancers as well. So anyone who is really focused on social media marketing and is part of a larger team, mm-hmm. you know, starting with, let's say, three people, um, that's, that's where we see that collaboration is needed. Maybe in two, you know, you don't really that, need that many, you know, much structure and architecture to collaborate on. But when your team is at least three people, uh, three people big, uh, you start to get the need to organize yourselves a bit. Uh, so that's the, the ideal target audience for us. Okay. Now let's talk about your podcast, People of Marketing Podcast. Yeah. It's a good plugin for you. Um, <laughs> why did you start it? How did you start it? And uh, what's the podcast about and all that? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, from a very early age, since I was a teenager, I was obsessed uh, with advertising, I was reading everything when I was in high school. I was reading absolutely everything I could get my hands on about the advertising world, all the news, all the campaigns, all the gossips, everything. And I was always looking up to legendary people in the marketing world. And I always had this huge curiosity about what their day to day life looks like. What does it mean to be a CMO at a big brand or? you know, to be part of a huge creative agency. What does your life, work life really look like? And how did you get there? What was your journey like? Um, You know, just the human side of what it means to be a marketer that always, you know, interested me. And I always wanted to take a sneak peek into their lives. Um, And that's, you know, how the People of Marketing podcast started as as part of Planable. Uh, We interview inspiring marketers about their lives their, uh, you know, their career, how they got where they are, what does it mean to be a marketer for them? Um, just, you know, about the, just the personal side of the professional marketing world. So that's available on Spotify? That's available on Spotify, on, uh, on Apple Podcasts, on a bunch of other uh, platforms. But yeah, we, we mostly focus on promoting the Spotify one, but yeah, you can get it on your uh, favorite podcast app. Okay, I'll, I'll link the Spotify one in the description. Um, do you feel that maybe you missed out on uh, the corporate side of marketing? Because as I've understood is that you 
started your own agency while yeah. in university and then after that you started now planable so at no point yeah, in never... time did you mention that you are at any uh corporate place yeah i never worked for anyone else uh in in my life i mean i had small uh, jobs when i was you know in high school uh, all kinds of you know but never in the corporate world uh, definitely. And it's, a, it's a, such a really great question. Uh, I'm asking myself this question for a very long time and I, I don't regret it. I, I never regret, you know, not going in the corporate world. It seems like it worked out well for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have regret and maybe I would have regretted it if it didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have, you know, blamed, you know, not going the corporate uh, direction. Uh, but I, I don't. Um, I, I think, you know, I ask myself if I missed out on anything, um, any insights, um, just understanding how the corporate world works better, how to navigate it better in terms of like sales and partnerships, um, understanding the mentality, uh, building connections, because you definitely build a, a big network if you go through, through different, different corporations and if you work at different big companies, you, you build a network. Um, and I, I asked myself, you know, if I missed out on those things, and I probably did, um, but, you know, I can supplement it. Uh, we can, you know, hire people that went through that experience. And we did. I mean, obviously, we didn't hire them for that specifically, but it did happen that they go went to the corporate world. So they, you know, the, the people that surround us and the team that we managed to build, um, we can get that type of learnings and that type of insights from them. So it's it's really important to build a very versatile, very diverse team. Um, and you know, I think you know, as a founder, you can't have all types of experiences. Uh, but you can build a team that has. Um, so that's my insight on this so far. Maybe I'll change my mind in the next uh, few years, but so far uh, I don't regret it. And have you encountered any form of uh, imposter syndrome because of that? Because it's something that a lot of uh, founders face in imposter syndrome that you feel you are not good enough and you know you have this sort of insecurities in the back of your mind maybe because you ne- never had a corporate job that you feel maybe there's something lacking or maybe i'm just not good enough have you had such a feeling and if so uh how did you overcome that a hundred percent uh, I would be afraid of a founder that doesn't have a syndrome, <laughs> uh, imposter syndrome. I would be really concerned um, if they didn't. Um, I definitely had it, I'm still having it, um, but not necessarily because of the lack of the corporate experience, not necessarily because of that, mm-hmm. mostly because um, I'm, I'm very young. Uh, mm-hmm. So that just means a lack of experience in general. Um, very young, did, don't have the pedigree of famous, you know, founders that you see in the media, you know, Stanford University or some uh, huge uh, uh, VC uh, backing them or, you know, coming from Silicon Valley. I have the accent as well. So lots of things that, you know, uh, contribute to the uh, imposter syndrome. The corporate world, the lack of you know going through the corporate world is is one of them, but not the main one. 
uh, it's, it's hard to overcome it. Um, but yeah, you just have to find a way to live with it. Live with it. Wow, that's really impressive. Um, anything else you'd like to add or maybe anything that I've left out that you would like to talk about? <laughs> yeah, actually a follow-up on, on, on your question uh, from before about the imposter syndrome is that, um, you know, so many times we see these uh, founders or professionals that are doing such an amazing job and we think that everyone is uh, congratulating them every day about their amazing job or we think that oh they know that they're doing such a great job anyway so we don't tell them that you know especially if they're friends or especially if they're you know close to us but I think it's extremely important to tell people they're doing a great job uh, because so many of them are struggling with uh, imposter syndrome and it, it might really mean a lot for them it might really make their day and it might really give them you know the boost of energy that they might need it. Uh, so don't, you know, assume that uh, people know that they're doing a great job. Everyone needs a bit of, you know, um, a bit of support. So I think that's something uh, to keep in mind if you know uh, people that are, you know, founders or building a company. I think it's a good point you've mentioned that everyone needs a little bit of support. And uh, one thing I've talked about in the podcast quite often is that as an entrepreneur or as a founder, you always want to make sure you have some sort of support system. It could be your spouse, it could be your family or a group yeah. of friends that really support what you do. And it really helps you when it comes to uh, being tenacious. Because as you said, it's not really easy. It's not all glitz and glamour. This, uh, you have to do yeah. work and sometimes you don't have good days sometimes you have really good days when it comes to your business so yeah it's a good point you've mentioned yeah definitely anything else you'd like to add on no i think i think we're good this was a, a really great conversation i think we touched on so many subjects um where can my listeners find you uh linkedin is definitely where i spend my time so you can get in touch with me there um, Xenia Montan on LinkedIn. So happy to chat with you. Feel free to um, send an invitation. Okay. So I guess that's it for today's podcast. Xenia, thank you so much for coming to the marketing podcast. Like I told you, we haven't had a lot of guests on the podcast, but um, we are always very honored to have people like you on our platform that people can learn from and be inspired from. I'm also inspired about what you do. Um, hope to have thank, you soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really had fun, you know, going back through the, to my past and chatting with you. Thanks for uh, inviting me. So one question before we leave, one question that yeah. I would like you to answer. If I was to give a title to this episode, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what will it be? Oh God, uh, that's a tough one. I know. <laughs> that's very tough. Um, that's, let me think about this a bit. So I think it would have to do with something, you know, um, in, you know, uh, building a company from Eastern 
from you know Eastern Europe to Silicon Valley um, and you know just the grit of it. So definitely something with grit and mm -hmm. resilience um, and yeah probably <laughs> probably I, I, I would use uh, you know um, definitely identifying with gender is not you know it's, we don't see gender but definitely uh, it's important for people to know that there are um, lots of successful female entrepreneurs so mm -hmm. definitely would use that side as well um, but just you know the grade of building something from Eastern Europe I think is um, something to be highlighted okay okay so there you have it guys uh make sure to head on to planable.io and check her website and also look at a look at her linkedin links will be in the description see you guys on the next podcast episode thank you for tuning in to the marketing podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe until next time class dismissed <laughs>